today with Claire Byrne on RTE Radio 1, sponsored by Cash and Carry Kitchens. At the heart of Irish homes for over 40 years. Cashandcarrykitchens.ie Email todaycb at rte.ie Carthy have launched an investigation following allegations that Tusla, the Child and Family Agency, placed vulnerable children into unregulated emergency accommodation. And this follows an internal Tusla report, which found that a company had fabricated its pre-employment checks, posing a risk to young children in state care. But what accountability mechanisms exist within Tusla for oversight of contracted service providers? And how can those mechanisms be strengthened to prevent similar incidents in the future? Well, joining me now is Marissa Ryan, who's CEO of Epic, empowering people in care. Good morning, Marissa. Good morning, Claire, and thanks for having me. You're very welcome. Now, I know you want the government to act in response to these really precarious care arrangements that have been happening in the state care sector for some time. So, So what are you saying the government needs to do? Thanks, Claire. Well, Epic is on record as saying that there is a crisis in the alternative care system in Ireland. This isn't something that only we have highlighted. Over the last year alone, the Ombudsperson for Children, the Child Law Project, members of the judiciary, TUSLA itself, HICWA and the Special Rapporteur for Children have all raised concerns. And we've been calling for the establishment of an emergency interagency committee set up by the Department of Children to address this crisis. To date, we've been told that the committee that will oversee the Child Care Act um, will be responsible for alternative care, but along with everything else that's in the Child Care Act. And we are calling for something that is bespoke, that is specific. We believe this is a crisis and it needs to be treated like a crisis. These are the nation's children. There needs to be an intergovernmental response. There needs to be health, housing, Department of Children, justice, education, deeper social protection around the table. And there needs to be the development of a national strategy on alternative care. Mm. We can all point to the problems, but it's time to really be clear on what are the solutions. Yeah, and I mean, solutions, I suppose, can be looked at in the medium to long term. You know, you might be able to come up with some sort of feasible solution. But this, as you said, has been identified as a crisis as far back as the middle of last year. We still have children who are staying in these special emergency arrangements last night and tonight. Do you think that something needs to be done today to protect those children. Absolutely. Uh, You've rightly identified and TUSA have identified um, there is a major crisis in placements and that's a legacy. It's a situation that TUSA have been trying to address but at the moment we are still in a situation where there are children being moved around different inappropriate accommodation um, placements and what should be happening is a greater investment in attention to foster care which is the backbone of our child protection and welfare system in Ireland and has been neglected for a very very long time uh, and also investment in therapeutic supports for children and young people who actually are in need of a special care placement but cannot have one because there is uh, a staffing shortfall. So my view on whether something can be done right now tonight um, is, is probably that it can't because we are in a crisis and we're in a crisis that, that hasn't been sufficiently addressed across government despite the warnings that I've already outlined. You, you mentioned uh, foster care there and it, it's just interesting when you look at this in the context of the amount of money that's spelt, spent on these privately operated care settings. 70 million euro in the last year. Foster carers though in budget 2024 were more or less overlooked for this calendar year because the increase that they got 
not will only kick in this December and most people who are experts in this field and you've said it yourself they say the answer lies in foster care so why is it do you think that the government isn't investing? I think there have been some welcome initiatives on foster care, um, particularly in the last number of years. But over time, I don't know whether it was an act of omission or um, what, but we have moved far more towards a residential care model. And all of the research tells us very clearly that children who can't live with their families do best in loving, safe, stable and secure foster families. Yet, from 2009 up until the last budget, foster care was ignored. There was no increase in the fostering allowance. There wasn't additional supports for families. People couldn't get in touch on weekends uh, with fostering support workers. Uh, And all of this has led to an ageing cohort of foster carers who are ageing out and not enough new foster carers coming on board. And we really also need to diversify our foster care cohort. You know, we need to get people from lots of different backgrounds offering homes to children and young people because that is where most children and young people will thrive. There will be a small cohort of people who do not want uh, to live in a foster family for various reasons, particularly older teenagers. And they may do and do do very well in residential care. But residential care that is regulated, um, that HICWA inspects uh, and that is staffed appropriately. Mm-hmm. And uh, on the issue of pressure on housing, which I know you've touched on, but we have heard about the increased arrival of unaccompanied minors fleeing conflict overseas. What is the impact of that on the problem? I mean, the reality is migration is a complex human phenomenon, but it's a global good. And people have always moved throughout history in search of both safety and a dignified life. And that's going to continue to happen. We have a displacement crisis globally. We have migration trends that are continuing. But we are still seeing a situation in Ireland where we only have a couple of hundred additional unaccompanied minors seeking international protection. And in a country like Ireland, with an economy like Ireland and a state set up like Ireland, we should well be able to absorb uh, another couple of hundred children who need safety and protection. And we should also be looking at future-proofing our care system because those trends are not going to change. The war in Ukraine did lead to a spike in referrals of unaccompanied minors to TUSA. But I said, as I said, it's a couple of hundred, but it may be more in the future. So now is the opportunity and TUSA have been needing a consultation on this uh, to look at exactly what can be done over the next 10 years to ensure that we are set up as a country to provide a safe, secure, stable and dignified home for these children because they are going to be the lawyers, the doctors, the musicians, um, the bus drivers of the future and we need to welcome that and find an appropriate place for them to thrive in Mm -hmm. our country. Now some of the children who are are put in these special uh, emergency arrangements arrangements for accommodation has very, have very complex needs and Tusla has raised the issue around their inability to pay extra for specialised care for those children. Do you think that that is a problem? 
Absolutely, and that's why we are calling for an interdepartmental committee because there are issues with pay and pensions that deeper need to address to be able to secure staffing at an appropriate level um, for particularly special care facilities because we know that there are empty beds in special care at the moment because staff can't be secured. Likewise, we saw the impact on the community and voluntary sector who also provide residential care and some therapeutic supports um, to vulnerable children and young people but who hadn't had any pay restoration and have been struggling ever since and there is a crisis in the community and voluntary sector in terms of residential care provision and the state needs to recognise that. Mm -hmm. So like this I'm really trying to make the point this is not just a problem for TUSA. Children in care are a whole of government responsibility and they absolutely deserve a whole of government response but we have not seen that happening yet. TUSA themselves have called for better accountability haven't they? The, The mechanisms for oversight of contracted service providers. What should that look like Marissa? Yes, I mean, the previous CEO, Bernard Gloucester, and uh, the current CEO, Kate Duggan of TUSA, are on public record saying that it isn't correct for TUSA to commission, pay for, and inspect private services. And they have called for HICWA um, to take on the inspection of private uh, resident, children's residential care providers. HICWA itself have also indicated that they would be willing to do that. But from our understanding, there appears to be a blockage in the Department of Health Um, and this hasn't been progressed. And in the meantime, I don't think any country can say that it's appropriate for a child who is vulnerable and who is alone to be placed in a setting that is not inspected against the national standards in line with best practice by an independent agency reporting to a different minister. I think TUSA have really strengthened uh, their oversight mechanisms and that's been demonstrated recently. Um, But at the same time, I agree with both CEOs uh, that it doesn't go far enough. We have to be in line with best practice. We have to show there's an independent agency inspecting against national standards and reporting to a different minister. Marissa, thank you very much for joining us on the programme. Marissa Ryan, CEO of EPIC, Empowering People in Care. Now, coming up next on the programme, one Easter egg per child on Easter Sunday. That's the message from the HSE's lead on obesity. He tells us why next. Text 51551 today with Claire Byrne on RTE Radio 1.